This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, and today I am joined by Ashley Smith in Dunedin. Where in Dunedin are you, Hi. Ashley? I'm in central Dunedin, like bang in central Dunedin. Welcome. So how has your bubble life been? Uh, bubble life was uh there's quite a big change in our household um i was initially flatting with some um, colleagues of mine and about 24 hours before the lockdown i decided to move in with my partner um, and we basically the story went i finished night shift um we worked out that um either of the places that we were both in at the time weren't viable for us to stay together during that period uh and we went house hunting very quickly um, and then we started moving that day and had to move two households into one um, post night shift. I think I was awake for about almost 48 <laughs> hours straight. It was a nightmare. I was a nightmare. The whole thing was just um, highly stressful but um, it's it's gone really well so really thankful. Ha- it could have been Did you have you all know, the right things? Did you fi- break decision. Yeah, exactly. Did you find a, you had a kettle and all the things that you need? Yes, so fortunate. So the place we found was furnished in town and literally like the landlord used it as an Airbnb and obviously, you know, the market for Airbnb at the moment isn't that high. So um, he was kind of looking for some stability there and we were just looking for a place to live. Um, So no, it all worked out really well, but it was, you know, like deciding to move in with your partner is a big life decision anyway and we're kind of planning for the end of the year and COVID really sped things up a bit um and changed the dynamic of it too because it's not like you just move in and then you continue on all the with the other things that make you healthy and happy at life like going and exercising seeing your friends um for me it's going up to Naseby to see my family and all those things sort of stopped so it was like moving together and welcome to like almost 24 7 in each other's company and you're still together so it must have worked Yes, we are, we are. I'm happy to report it's gone well. <laughs> and uh, no, it's gone really well, yep. And you were working during the lockdown? Yeah, yeah, I was, which probably a bit of a um, saving grace, actually, for me. It was a really incredibly unusual period. I feel very fortunate. I'm, I'm a registered nurse um, in Dunedin Public Hospital, work in the coronary care unit there. Um, and my partner's also a nurse. He works in intensive care. Um, so it was quite a, it was an odd period for everyone. I think the that fear of the unknown was really quite huge. And you're getting uh, stories and statistics from overseas which feel really big and really scary especially for um you know health professionals or uh, many of us knew other people overseas that were also on front lines and um what really sort of came through was a position of privilege right throughout that period that we had here in new zealand um you know, and we, we still are in a, in a very, very privileged position compared to, to many parts of the world. Um, but going to work was great because it meant, you know, you had somewhere to go each day um, and some time out of the house <laughs> to go and, you know, see some other people. Uh, but it really changed the dynamic of our nursing care as well. Um, you know, for me, the, the concept of um, family involvement in patient care is is huge and we had people going through like huge open heart cardiac surgeries and to not be able to have their family there um, 
you really picked up almost a new role in patients' lives, a bit more extensive than um, just that relationship you have between a nurse and a patient, and you became, you know, the only support person that could often come in to see them in a day. And some of these people have had really, really huge and traumatic events happen. So a really unusual period, Sam. I'm helping Jean Ross with some research um, looking at the experiences of the rural nurses during the, the pandemic. And one of the things that we're looking into is to what extent did we learn from the Spanish flu in 1918? Mm. Um, and because, of course, that essentially created the public health system, also the public health nursing. And it was really terrible. Mm. in terms of the, the the impact of that on nursing so i can only imagine the the fear although none of us of course were around then but the fear that that would have happened again yeah i again like prior to covid as well said my knowledge of um well even now my knowledge of past pandemics um and diseases that spread in this way is, is incredibly limited. Um, my passion is in cardiac nursing at the moment. Um, but I think, you know, infection control has become a part of practice now for health professionals and actually the general public more so um, than ever. And it may be a component that um, is very, very important for the rest of our lives. Um, none of us quite know how this is going to turn out yet. And, um, you know, we, we are pretty sheltered down at the bottom of the world. But what, what happens next? How long can we be sheltered down at the bottom of the world for? Um, and we've got, we've got a lot of faith and a lot of scientists putting in a lot of hours around the world, I imagine, trying to uh, find cures and vaccines and understand this disease more. Did your work carry on with the same busyness as it normally does? Because it's, it's, it's not sort of things that people put off, is it? Um, yeah, no. Um, well, actually, interestingly, the hospital counts cancelled all outpatient surgery, but cardiac surgery. So um, there was quite a significant list for cardiac surgery, um, people waiting at home to come in and have it. And it was the only surgery they didn't cancel. And um, we, I work coronary care, also known as Ward 7B. The ward next door, Ward 7A, was actually shut down as the COVID ward. And they're the ward that traditionally take um, the post-op cardiacs and they only come to us if they're a wee bit sicker um, after they come out of intensive care. So because 7A was closed for COVID, um, that meant that they were all coming to us. So I think that was actually a really quite busy time for us. Um, but it diversified my practice a little bit as well because while I had looked after um, post-op cardiacs, I hadn't had the opportunity to do so so continuously with a number of um, people. So that, you know, a positive out of that was to be able to learn a lot more and do some dressings I hadn't done and understand some more of the pathophysiology and things like that. Um, but, yeah, most places in the hospital, especially surgical wards, were still uh, very, very quiet because they had shut down. They were doing nothing but emergency or acute surgery. Um, but for us, we just kept rolling the cardiacs so i'm sure it must have been the most cardiac surgery we've done in a very long time and hopefully got the outpatient list down a wee bit let's take the first of your music choices let's have pink so what sounds good
carried on nursing all the way through have you been able to to keep up other activities you're getting out and doing some exercise yeah uh, it's actually doing exercise a bit more frequently at the moment um i am very fortunate to have the opportunity to head on outward bound in november um and outward bound involves a lot of physical activity uh and it involves a half marathon at the end and um, prior to this journey starting or preparing for it, I um, would struggle to run about a block without having to stop and walk. I hate running. I'm not a runner. I actually hate exercise, but I go to work every day and tell people how good it is for them, especially after they've had a heart event <laughs> and um, thought I should probably do something about it myself. Um, <laughs> you, you know, the old um, do as I say and not as I do, um, trying to change it up a little bit and have a bit more of a, a model um, exercise regime, I guess. <laughs> um, so I now have been doing a lot more gymming and things um, recently and a bit more running to try and prepare for that so I don't get quite a shock when I arrive um, at the top of the South Island later in the year. One of the messages that people come back from Outward Bound is that um, when it's disgusting outside, you can you can be cold, wet, and miserable, or you can just choose to be cold, wet, and getting on with it. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. It's all it's all in here. It's all mental strength. Um, and I found that with the running as well. Um, like if I'm out on a run and I stop, then that's it. I've stopped the whole run because I just will keep stopping. But you, if you just tell yourself you have to keep running, there's there's no option but to keep running then that's the way that I've managed to be a bit more efficient in it. So it, it's slow progress, but there is some progress being made. But you're a positive person anyway. Yeah, I, uh, I generally, oh, it depends. I think I, I am a positive person. I think, um, interestingly, especially after coming out of the leadership degree, Sam, and coming into the workforce and, um, my thinking evolved in lots of different ways and there was lots of back and forth um, at that there still is at this time of my life. So I think I generally am a positive person, but um, it's been fascinating to see what the impact of different environments is on um, you as a person and how you function and how you think. As a, a young person, as a young leader, is there opportunity for you to make an impact within nursing? Really good question. 
Um, I think I think there is, but the impact was not in the way that I ever might have dreamed or assumed it could have been going into um, my role as a registered nurse. I, um, as you know, Sam, through the leadership degree, you, you marked my framework. Um, it came out with this this beautiful framework that I thought it was designed of how I was going to live my life. It was how I was going to be a leader. I kind of left was like, right, I've got my life sorted. That's it. I've done it. I understand my life. I understand who I am. And I know what I'm going to do and how I'm going to function. And that's that. <laughs> and, um, and then life happened. Oh, and then life happened. Life definitely happened. And of course, the thing with like a framework like that, it is, it is constantly evolving. Your the way that you function and the way you operate is um, so critical to the life experiences that you've had. And uh, what I didn't counter into that argument was all the life experiences I was yet to have. I mean, coming into the health system has been a really interesting one because I perhaps went from being in a position of. Um, you know, you're holding the title as a young leader and being really passionate about a number of things that are going on around you and feeling like you may actually have an opportunity to, you know, like get your hands in there and be able to support or learn or make a change. And then what I found coming into the health system is that framework basically entirely shattered. Um and there's still there's a lot of thinking and reflection reflection in that that I still haven't been able to grasp um, and fully understand. But basically, the whole way I operated as a human being um, completely shattered, and it's yeah, it's still something that I struggle to get my head around, and I still something I need to build on. But really, the the key learning in that is. Obviously, my framework um, wasn't broad enough for it to be able to function, especially in something like the health system, which um, in many ways is still can be a very hierarchical place. Um, it's still a place that's extremely limited with its funding and its capacity. And the I think the errors or the things you're seeing that you're like, this, this isn't okay or this isn't right or how are we letting this happen? There's so those all those things have been pointed out before, and um, realizing that your capacity as a nurse on the ground is already so stretched because you're just trying to meet people's you know basic human needs and their health needs, and sometimes those are really complex. Um, and there's so many there's many days where you feel like you just can't do for people all the things that you want to do. Uh, you know, to then have to try and go beyond that to start thinking about fixing a system and you'll have an idea and know that's been thought through before and, oh, that didn't work because of this, this and this. And what I found so interesting was not trying not to allow myself to fall into that negative mindset of, oh, well, this is just how it is. And that's a, you know, like the core of my framework, Sam, was about standing up and actually saying something when things weren't right. Like, don't be the person to just sit and ignore and complain and tell the world how unhappy you are about something. Like, actually get up and do something about it. But yet I found myself in scenarios where my thought process, or even sometimes verbally, I was doing exactly that. Um, you're just... Uh, you're sitting there with the world around you. You're like, well, I can't change this. Mm-hmm. How does this get better? Um, and yeah, it's been a really interesting process, eh? And there's still so much to unpack in that. Because you're not someone who's been mucking around. You've been to the UN, run a major charity, told a joke to the Queen. <laughs> so if, if you're going into that system and having to fight off that that negative feeling... What can we do to to better prepare people for how to operate in a a positive manner? Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe I do. I think, like, I think back. Well, primarily, I think back to my bachelor of nursing degree um, because that's you know that was what prepared you in a way to be a nurse. Well, you hope so. <laughs> Hope that's what we're doing for our um, student nurses out there. And I reflect back on that. And to be honest, I'm I'm really not sure what else you can do to 
prepare people for the system. And um, like as a student, you're there and you're doing it all, but there's what you don't have is the responsibility on your practice at the end of the day. Like as a student, you have a preceptor that's responsible for you and they take the responsibility of things that go wrong, um, et cetera, and they direct and lead care. Where when you start as a nurse, it's on you, it's all you, and it's a huge weight. And it, it's a huge weight when you're dealing with people's lives. Um, because it, that, that is a real privileged position to be in. Um, you often meet people at not the best point of their lives in a time they really need help and support. Um, and I think the, the space that I lived in, it was just like this ethical dilemma, this like constant, um, it was like my fight or flight system was just constantly on. Like I'd go home and I just I just couldn't couldn't meet the needs of everyone in front of me and I took that quite personally and there was a point last year where I finally went I think this is the system and not me and accepting that makes it a lot easier to come home knowing that you've not done everything that you need for people and look sometimes you can um, and the, I know that the hospital and um, DHBs around the country are working on lots of initiatives to try and better support staff um, and provide you know, at the end of the day, it's all about our patients, but it's, um, yeah, it still has some times that are quite, yeah, really difficult. And what I found is uh, in those days where I get in that thought process of just holding on to that um, negative thought, or what's the point in this? Is it even going to change anyway? Like we've already tried this. Um, or, or there's just, you're giving us another piece of paperwork when I still haven't got to my patient's bedside this morning. Um, is to basically step back from the political side of work and to try and go there just to focus on my patients. And that was one like, dealing strategy last year. But it's also, that's made going to work more tolerable at times. Um, but I love it. It's made it, you know, that I can go and actually spend more time invested in my patients. But then there's also this part of me which has this voice that goes, looks at things that aren't right and goes that's not okay and trying to balance that's been really interesting i don't want to live my life just in a shell not caring about things that are important um so i'm still working that out sam that little kid that wrote the letter to the school board about cutting a tree down thought, <laughs> thought that writing the letter would that's solve someone... everything and maybe it's that same thing it is that yeah. working out what you can yeah. what you can do and, and sort of staying positive and focused even though you your 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 change the world plan might not always work yeah i think um yeah i think you're exactly right that 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 kid that wrote that letter about the trees being chopped down is exactly the the voice or that energy that comes up in me to be like no that that's not okay and um kind of coming to the realization that your energy and the time you have is actually really precious and you can't just scream into a hole all day like that you get nothing out of like you just end up tired and sad and upset and um burnt out and then you don't provide good patient care anyway so yeah that balances that balance is still uh trying to work itself out bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui Dunedin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie Kia ora koutou, nga mihi aroha nui, kia koutou koutou You're all having this day, beautiful superstars and your beloved vessels. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect and here, making the thank you. So as we all know, I have been on a healing journey since my time at Autiporti Stunedin Public Hospital with mystery fevers. And today I've had the wonderful feeling of a great surge in my life force, a sense of my mojo ho order returning to me, and a sense of my energy levels greatly increasing, and a sense of my modi, my life force bounding forward in great abundant leaps. So it's been a really wonderful day and of course this has been ever echoed back to me as always by the real world, the living world, the natural world with great swathes 
blossom, great curtains of billowing blossom being blown about this most beautiful city by these very exciting winds and Tafari Matea showering everybody with curtains of confetti blossom blooms everywhere and it was just so stunning and of course my beloved Harvey Penfold and I were driving in Royal Pearl, the highly adorned amazing Toyota Wish and we were driving along and this great cascade of cherry blossom came down upon us so we decided that we had been gifted an official wedding ceremony from the universe so we're now officially married in the eyes of the infinite universe so we were very grateful for that and of course I have been wearing an infinite love wedding ring for the last several years so I am eternally wedded to the infinite universe of which of course Harvey Penfold an integral part. So it was a very exciting and wonderful day and I'm just so grateful of course for all these wonderful lessons that are coming our way always from the natural living real world one of which of course is that sense of cyclical ebbs and flows and the energy of our beautiful beautiful planet and at this time of year with spring springing we have a, a sense of that energy and that life force returning and this is a sense of great excitement and a sense of great possibility but of course even when we feel our our life force at lower levels this too is an opportunity for excitement of a different kind excitement in a different direction i've been so grateful for this time of rest and repose as well and now that my energy levels are rising and i want to do more and more and more of course i will be leaving behind this time of more restful repose and reflection so i just love it all i think it's all about getting the balance that is right for us of course that is sustainable for us creatively and emotionally and asking for support when we need it i've been so grateful for all the support that has come my way from amazing leslie wife of amazing sam from harvey penfold from all my friends in Fano, and i'm so lucky of course in my heart's home workplace that i've been able to get lots of love and support and flexibility as well so I hope that for all of you, you are getting lots and lots of love and support wherever you are at in terms of your ho'oro seasons, your health and well-being, whether you are in a time of great surging life force in Māori, a springtime of life returning to your land, or whether you are in a more restful and repose consolidation and reflection, more of an autumnal time. And wherever you are and whatever is happening around you, I hope that all the support and all of the recognition that you deserve is coming your way. And I hope that in turn, you are having opportunities to share your unique gifts and talents with this lucky, lucky world. And I'll look forward to talking with you. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. I'm talking with Ashley Smith in Dunedin. We've seen lots of changes at a societal level over the last few months what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick i think we saw a lot of people coming up with some really cool ways to care for the community around them um it possibly really highlighted to us vulnerable members of our community and how they needed support and i, I really hope it'll pull us back to that grassroots uh Kiwi-ness, like that checking in on your neighbour and walking down the street and saying good day to the people on your block. Um, that's what I really hope. You know, life for me is about human connection. Um, I am a true blue extrovert and I love people. I love hearing from people. I love people whose energy just makes, um, you know, you talk to people and their insights and their brains and it just makes you feel like, wow, this is awesome. Um, and that's the world that I live in. So I, I've loved that opportunity to talk to people and hear about their experience. Um, I do hope that's what will stick. Um, but it was really fascinating during the pandemic itself when you're watching people also fight over toilet paper, how um, human, you know, that human instinct to survive um, 
you know, like, I'm not going to lie. I did a bulk grocery shop before the first lockdown because I was like, oh, well, I'm at the hospital. Don't know when I'm going to get to go to the supermarket. Should I even be going to the supermarket anyway? But you buy into that behavior of am I prepared? You know, like um, it's that human drive to survive. <laughs> and that really came out in people. And you, I don't know that we saw the best of humanity then. Um, we saw a bit of both, in my opinion. That human connection, it's interesting that the thing that we couldn't do was connect with people, yet it mm. reinforced it to us how important it was and we found ways to do it. Mm. Mm. I, yeah, people got creative, right? Um, exactly. And hopefully that creativity sticks too. Um, I think, though, too, it's also put... I think the concept of going into a second lockdown, and I felt for Auckland so significantly over the last few weeks, is um, you know that feeling that night we got that text on our phones. Did you, I don't know if you received it, Sam, with their changing of alert levels. I was also about to go to night shift and um, hadn't seen the news before that, and got this big you know alarm text on your phone, and it's like we're going back into these levels, and suddenly your like adrenaline's just up, and it's like, what what's happening? Like mm -hmm. it, it's almost something you at times I haven't wanted to acknowledge. Um, and I re really felt for Auckland because that concept of going back and having that social isolation again, I know for me just seems really, really massive. Um, but I'm sure it must have been really difficult up there. What do you think we can learn from how we've responded to to this a threat for the the longer term and, and larger scale things. I'm thinking of things like climate change and, and social inequity. Mm. I think um, what we can see is, and this is something I was kind of trying to get a grasp on at the end of my degree and still getting a grasp on now, but it's around that, like, the issues we face in the world are mass, like climate change, plastic use, like these are Global, global, global issues, plus, plus, plus. Um, and what links into that is just the decisions made. It was actually a discussion I had with my partner about something yesterday. I think it was about chewing gum. <laughs> and he asked me if I wanted a piece of chewing gum. I was like, no, I don't, because I don't. I just tend to stay away from chewing gum because I think it's just a bit of a waste. I'm like, oh, what if a turtle swallows that, Dom? <laughs> and he said to me, but what's the likelihood of the turtle swallowing that piece of gum? Like, it's just one piece of gum. I said, yes, but if you and maybe two other, two million other New Zealanders today chew a piece of gum and it ends up in the ocean, the likelihood increases a lot, doesn't it? Um, and that's the concept that I'm trying to get my head around more. And it's something I worked on during lockdown. Like, we've just um, phased out of our shower um using bottles and we've just um phased into using like shampoo bars and conditioner bars instead and right now i think we've probably only saved maybe six plastic bottles in our household but it's still six and if everyone did the same thing then maybe you know we'd have more and more of a, a chance of actually targeting these issues like i think understanding the magnitude that you as a single human being have and it's hard like it it is like you're like okay my hair doesn't feel as good as it did and it's so much easier to go down to the shop and order these plastic bottles than it is to um you know order these bars online and find where they're cheapest and maybe pay slightly more but yet now you're like okay you just you you do a little bit at a time you start with just the shampoo bar and then you go okay like i think i've got used to that now i'll try the conditioner and now i'll try the face scrub and then you just slowly uh, at the point you've got none left I think and it's if, just a little little bits at a time. And something that you've always been good at is how do you multiply that? So in this case, you're telling other other people about it. It's always been a thing that you've done is to say it's not just about me. It's how do I take other people on this journey? Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think um, your platform and my platform as a nurse has changed in the way that I um, have that opportunity. Um, most of my opportunity now is around health education and um, supporting someone through a window of their lives. So um, my chance to chat about, you know, not using plastic bottles in the shower is a little more limited in its um, time and maybe target audience. Um, but, you know, that's okay. I think um, 
you know, changing the world isn't about people standing up in front of huge crowds of people and telling them what they should be doing or that they have the capacity to make change. Um, sometimes you just, um, you, you as a single human being trying to make decisions that better the planet and the world and other people is a great show of leadership um, and really important. As someone who's always been kind and and leading, caring and leading, why do you think the be kind message has struck such a chord? I think maybe people were put in positions where they needed kindness most. Um, yeah, I think people were put in a really vulnerable place. And so maybe that had more of an impact on them. Like we, we get so stuck in our ways as human beings, right? Like we don't necessarily like to do things differently. Uh, and the process of changing a whole lot of things at once usually isn't how we do things. <laughs> um, so having to change your life from going, you know, free will, ability to travel where you want, with who you want, with as many people as you want, um, even just to leave your house to go shopping, um, like everything is when everything is when you it changed, and probably people would have never tried to live that way if this hadn't happened. So maybe the learnings out of that one are really positive, but two, you know, maybe people had a bit more time to sit down to actually slow down and reflect why being kind was so important. Let's have six sixty. Don't forget your roots.
your family, yeah. Don't forget your roots, my friend, yeah. Oh, yeah. How's Naseby doing? Naseby's doing well. Um, it is... Seems to, I was up there in the weekend. There seems to be a few people about. They're actually just trying to build a summer luge up there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been up there, Sam, to try the winter luge uh, with all the ice. But that is obviously a little bit seasonal. So they're trying to build a summer one, which um, could be used like all year round. Uh, so, no, that's really exciting. Some good things happening. I have some questions to end the show with. What is the sure. biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. That's throwing me off guard a little bit. I think um, the biggest success for me is actually, it's not even a success, but the biggest source of happiness is actually being around um, my partner and um, the partnership that we've been able to build um, and the way that we, we live our, our lives and have adapted to each other's lives is something really special. Um, and it's really awesome just um, for me that the whole concept of relationships all about partnership and to find that on a personal level and to have someone that just comes into bat for you is really special. Um, so that for me has been pretty cool. And testing and that just surviving as a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> and testing that relationship and yeah. nursing with a lockdown and coming through both of them. Actually, I'm most proud of trying to manage both of our rosters so we actually get to see each other. Sometimes it's a complete fail. We go about the biggest run we've had is about 32 days with no matching day off. Um, so I, uh, I'm a bit of a roster nerd and I take responsibility for both of them and sit and plan how we will see each other. <laughs> So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're most definitely in the team. What is the superpower that's got you into the mansion? Wow. Um, how, how, I don't know how you capture My thoughts went to that line of discussion we had Sam on those little everyday decisions um, and I don't know how you word that <laughs> <laughs> everyday decisions I'm not sure if we can <clears throat> is it the, the ability to make them the ability to make good ones ability to to frame them. Well, I was thinking that concept around good ones, but sometimes I don't make good everyday decisions. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I don't know. Maybe it's something else. Maybe I have to think on it. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I think um, I've been on a journey through all this changing job, changes in life, um, in the last two years and it really had shattered everything that I knew about myself and now I feel less inclined to put any labels to me um, because I'm actually still in the process of just trying to work out who Ash is um, and I just don't want to put any labels on it I just want to I just want to be me I am Ash and I um, hope that I can make decisions in my life that will support other people and um, support our planet. But, uh, yeah, I don't really know what other title to give other than just being me. That's why I'm disappearing off to the middle of nowhere for three weeks to try and just get some time to work a bit more of that out. And go sailing and climbing and walking and sitting in the forest. Yeah, sitting in the rain. <laughs> Have you been practicing just sitting outside? No, no. But I did grow up in Naseby, so it is. I spent a lot of time outside as a kid. Lots of hut building, lots of climbing trees, all the very important things in life. Um, so I'm hoping 
you know, but I am a bit of a city girl now. Like I live in the center of town. <laughs> we'll be fine. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Um, a few months ago, maybe a little bit now, I would have said like the ho- hope, hope for people in the planet. But I went through a real period over the last couple of years of not having a lot of that. Um, and it really pulls you back to, again, that like, who are you and what do you want to achieve? So for me, maybe it is hope, but it's a, a different level of um I just want to love, just want to love and smile and laugh and help other people to do that and support other people through journeys that allow them to do that. And what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? It's probably definitely outward bound. Yeah, definitely. If not, I have a very uh, awesome group of mates who are a bit wild that have we've booked about a three music video uh, music concert festival event at the end of this year that goes from R&B to Bedrooms North to Bedrooms South and I know it's going to be a huge challenge of my ability to um, stay awake because I need sleep as a human so I'm looking forward to that but it's it's a bit of a um, yeah it's it's a, a go and have a good time thing rather than a let's change the world thing I think. <laughs> I'm sure you're allowed to do that. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, you could give advice on anything. Um, I think the advice I'd give in this stage of my life um, is there are lots of people in your life that will give you lots of advice about how to live your life uh, and what things you should do and how you should do it. Um, At the end of the day, only you can know the things that will make you happy and um, you you definitely need other people on that journey to help you find those things but um, trusting in yourself what makes you feel good um, and what you believe in is really important so um, advice from other people is great and really important if it's good for you but sometimes it's not Um, so just you go do you thank you very much for that thank you very much for joining me thank you for having me sam it's so great to talk to you let's go out to bare naked ladies who needs sleep Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. 
brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Ashley Smith in central Dunedin. We hope you enjoyed the show. So much joy in life, so many pleasures all around. But the pleasure of insomnia is one I've never found. With all life has to offer, there's so much to be enjoyed. But the pleasures of insomnia are ones I can't avoid. Kids down, count sheep, count heartbeats. The only thing that counts is that I won't sleep. I count down, I look around. Hala, hala, hala. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.